The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. Learn who rules over you simply by now through you're not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH, I'm Andy, your host. Today is Tuesday and I'm delighted to welcome back my good friend Dr Peter Hammond. So let's bring him up right now. Peter, are you with us? I am with you, yes. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Great to have you on board as always. And folks, uh, we may go back to the Thursdays. There's no definite day. I would have probably done the Thursday this week, but the guest I had scheduled for yesterday afternoon was unable to make it. So this is the first show that I've been up, second show of the week uh, after the Monday show. So it's going out Tuesday. But um, yeah, so we'll see uh, how we go in the future. But before we dive into the topic uh, today that Peter has prepared for us, there's a couple of announcements I really need to get out. Um, the new file repository that I've been using, MediaFire, wasn't working for some people. And so I've gone to a different file repository, which is very similar to what you used to use to download the show. So uh, how, however you used to do it, if you right click on click here to download the show, to, to listen to the show rather, you can right click download. I'm talking Windows here. I don't know how Apple Macs work. Or you can click the link and it takes you to a player. You can also download it from the player. So I hope that's going to be easier for everybody. And the other important um, what would I say comment, I would say fact checking myself because I feel incredibly stupid after I talked at the end of yesterday's show about the Satan 2 missile because it's not the Satan 2 missile. And we're going to get uh, Peter's comments on this because I've got a couple of emails and this goes to show how important you as an audience are with the work you put into this show to point out any errors that I make. And I, I you know, I can't believe that I just believe the mainstream media. I'm so sorry, folks, but they blatantly lie, as we know, but it just gets more and more extensive. Let's listen to these two emails. They're very similar. The first one is from Mike, and he says, Hi, Andy. I normally would not bother you with this, but been hearing you read emails on your Saturday program, so figured would provide a little information. On the Limey show, you made mention of the new Rus Russian ICBM, the Satan 2, and its disturbing name. Satan 2 is the name NATO gave it. The Russian name is RS-28 Sarmat, and named after the Sarmatians, a group of people that used to inhabit what would come to be southern Russia stroke Ukraine. So it does have a much more patriotic and less sinister name. Just NATO has a tradition of renaming USSR and then Russian weapons systems. 
Similarly, the old Su-27 fighter plane in Russia is called the Crane, but in NATO terms is referred to as the Flanker. There is a system to the NATO naming scheme, but because it all of but because of it, almost all the reports in the West will give the NATO name for Russian USSR weapons, not as the Russian translation. That all being said, the Sarmat is as powerful as you had mentioned. With the number of warheads it carries and how they can release a single Sarmat could wipe out an area the size of France or Texas, so the UK being smaller could also be destroyed with a single missile. Mike. Now we'll go to the next email, and this is from Jimmy Moglia. Hello, Andy. I was worried as I attempted to listen to your show April 25th and found that the format had changed and I had to download the program rather than listen to it directly. Just a brief comment. The name in Cyrillic characters, uh, Katmat, it says here, means Sarmat, an ancient religion in approximately Central Asia whose inhabitants, the Sarmatians, fought successfully with the Huns of Attila. The name Satan is a Western botched or willed translation to satanize the opposition. By the way, I collected from the French corporate media a series of Putin's characterizations which reflect how his Western media image changed through the last 10 years or whereabouts. Then compared with a translation of Macron's meaningless meanderings on television. But how still Macron's senseless speech but how Macron's senseless speech is still Shakespearean material compared to Biden's samples. The show would last one hour, etc., etc., on things Russian, things Macronish. So uh, we could be having a potential interesting show with uh, with Jimmy there. But Peter, um, your thoughts on this? Have you heard of the Sarmat? I mean, you saw the Sarmatians. I might have pronounced it wrong. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yes. No. Uh, uh... That's absolutely correct. And this also fits into the whole propaganda goal of Western media to demonize the opposition, literally to demonize and to to suggest that your opponent is naming one of his missiles Satan too. Uh, that's really demonizing the opposition. It, it reminds me of, well, there's so much of the propaganda that was thrown against us in Rhodesia and in South Africa while we were fighting throughout the 60s, 70s and 80s against communism in the hot part of the Cold War, the sharp end of the Soviet uh, advance where they were seeking the mineral rich and uh, also strategic maritime control points of Southern Africa. And uh, we were demonized and they put words in our mouths and they, they, uh, for example, they just take something like apartheid and apartheid is an Afrikaans meaning separateness. And in fact, it's an abbreviation for the separate but equal doctrine of uh, Henrik Verwitt, separate but equal. And the Western media deliberately mistranslated to apart hate and, you know, H-A-T-E um, instead of the um, H-E-I-D uh, of Afrikaans. And they, they deliberately made out like apartheid was designed to hate your neighbor, whereas actually it was uh, loving a neighbor and uh, Henrik Wood, for example, who's been demonized heavily, uh, he would spend a Saturday mornings teaching his gardener how to read and write. And he increased the spending on uh, education for black people 800% uh, while he was prime minister. Uh, he provided uh, more housing uh, for black people in South Africa during his time as prime minister than uh, Mandela did during his time. 
And of course, the population has greatly increased in Mandela's age. Uh, but it, it, it's extraordinary how they would demonize someone like Ian Smith of Rhodesia or Hendrik Wood of South Africa, P.W. Wood of South Africa, who were anti-communists. And they would, they would attribute to them hostility and hatred, like mistranslating separateness and separate development and separate but equal and loving a neighbor with apart hate, hate your enemy. So I've seen this given many times, including uh, in uh, uh, military intelligence briefings where they say the goal of propaganda uh, own forces and of a local population is to demonize your enemy. And in history, you can just think one of the quotes that's been used often is that either um, Goebbels or Adolf Hitler are quoted as saying that uh, you must tell a lie, you must make it big, you must, the more uh, outrageous the lie and the more often you repeat, the more the people believe the big lie, as though they were recommending lying. Whereas actually, when you go back and look at the quotes, uh, Adolf Hitler, who first pointed out, and then Goebbels who repeated it, was that the British military intelligence goal is to lie and to tell a big lie and to keep repeating it so that people believe it. So they were actually speaking out against the policy of lying uh, in propaganda. And today, many people unquestioningly take this twisted quote as though um, Adolf Hitler and uh, his propaganda minister Goebbels were recommending lying, whereas actually they they, much more than the British military intelligence the Second World War, tried to stick as close to truth as possible and try to trust the people with the truth and believe that that was more powerful than the lies being given by the British. But they did uh, they did give credit where credit is due, that, that the British military intelligence were really the authors of the big lie. And just think of one example, as we at the moment getting bombarded with stories of atrocities and massacres and so on being done by the Russians in Ukraine, uh, even while we are hearing counter information that, uh, in fact, Ukrainian forces going into areas where the Russians had been occupying have been murdering the civilians, accusing them of being collaborators, that they actually lived uh, under the Russians or alongside them without uh, resisting. And then they murder them and then they call in the media in order to attribute this to the other side. Now, this, of course, was done many times in the Second World War. Just take the Katyn Forest Massacre the murder of over 22,000 Polish officers, NCOs, intelligentsia, who were murdered by Stalin's NKVD, and everyone knew that. But for decades, something like 70 years, the lie was kept up in the Western media and Western school textbooks and so on, uh, that uh, the um, Polish officers were murdered by the Germans, whereas everybody in Poland knew that the Soviets did it, and you just have to look at a map to see where Katyn is, which is way, way away from German-held territory. It's in Smolensk, just outside Smolensk, uh, closer to Moscow than it would be to Berlin or Warsaw. And uh, But anyway, the Katyn Forest Massacre, they managed to attribute to the Germans for decades, even though they knew it was a complete lie. And this is typical, uh, whether you're talking about Operation Kielhall being abbreviated so on. But remember, it is a cardinal rule of Hollywood and of Western media to always demonize your enemy. So that makes sense that they would, with a straight face, tell you that the Russians have launched their missile called Satan-2. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And before we dive into your show today, uh, I think it's worth pointing out, and if you can clarify this, that Vladimir Putin was the first Russian leader to admit the Soviet role behind the Katyn Forest Massacre. Is that correct? 
that is correct. There's a lot of things that, that upset the narrative. You know, the people who are saying, you know, he's a communist and he wants to rebuild the Soviet Union and all this sort of thing. Uh, it's, it's the same kind of demonizing, stereotyping, caricaturing that was done of the Germans, of the South Africans, of the Rhodesians. Uh, I've experienced this several times over. Uh, so I recognize when you're just getting one side of the story. But Vladimir Putin has not only abolished commissars in the, in the Russian military, but he's appointed chaplains. And the flag of the Russian Navy is no longer the old communist ham and sickle and so on. It's now the St. Andrew's Cross. So the St. Andrew's flag, similar to the flag of Scotland, except it's a blue cross on white instead of the white cross on blue, but it's the St. Andrew's Cross, is the ensign of the Russian Federation Navy right now. And uh, the Russian government's not only printing Bibles by the millions and even putting them in hotel rooms and so on. I mean, the Russian government's doing this. They're not only hosting massive conferences like the Thousand Delegates Conference in the Kremlin held a few years ago uh, on the family, pro-life and pro-family against the LGBT agenda. There was 100 countries uh, and over 1,000 delegates uh, welcomed there. I mean, can you imagine any government in the West holding a conference to celebrate the family and oppose the LGBT agenda? And so the Russian military chaplains uh, who are leading the people to Christ, the Bible's been printed by the government. And then the government is helping to fund the rebuilding of churches as some kind of restitution to the Russian churches, 49,000 of which were confiscated or destroyed under the communist Soviet Union. So these things don't fit the narrative of a government that's run by Vlad the Bad, Vlad the Mad, who's trying to rebuild the Soviet Union and who's just launched a missile that he called Satan too. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And um, just to let you know, we've uh, spent about 14 minutes um, on this topic at the start of the show. So if you need to run over today, we can. But what Peter has for us today, I don't know anything about it apart from the title. And I've not asked because uh, it looks a very good title and very intriguing. The title of Peter's presentation is The Real Conspiracy That Is Not A Theory. So where would you like to start off today, Peter? Over to you. For years, we've been accused of speaking about conspiracy theories, but we know that there's some very real conspiracies that are definitely not theories. And, you know, you can go right back into the Bible and we've got Psalm chapter two and Psalm two, which people should know. This is one of the best known Psalms, Psalm two, a Messianic Psalm. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds and pieces. Let's cast away their cords from us. And so uh, right here, you've got in Psalm 2, verse 1 to 3, a conspiracy, a conspiracy of kings of the earth who take counsel together, as some translations say, who conspire together against the Lord and against his anointed. Now, uh, we know that there have been conspiracies in the Bible. And you just take, uh, for example, how there was this complete conspiracy to crucify Christ. So we know uh, that uh, the enemies of Christ united to crucify. There's a conspiracy between the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the Herodians, and the Romans to crucify Christ. Isn't it extraordinary that in Jerusalem, the enemies of Christ who didn't have much in common except that they worked together when it came to the illegal trial, the shameful abuse, the torture, the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
the enemies of Christ united to crucify him in what there's no doubt that the illegal arrest, trial, abuse, torture, murder of the Messiah was a conspiracy. So we see conspiracies in the Bible. In fact, we can see even more than those kind of conspiracies in the Bible. We can see the first attempt to establish a new world order was by the people who came to the land of Shinar, present-day Iraq, to build the Tower of Babel. And in Genesis 11, we, we read how the leaders conspired together to build this great tower to bring about a unification of all the peoples in the world under one government, a one world order. And that's exposed in Genesis 11. We know what God thought about that because the Tower of Babel is a byword now for division. But now we've got the European Union. And the European Union has taken the Tower of Babel picture uh, by Bruegel, the Brussels um, Belgian uh, artist of the 16th century, and they have uh, designed the European Parliament in the shape of the Tower of Babel, even going to the extent of having it incomplete and with the scaffolding being part of the building. The whole design incorporates what looks like scaffolding. I've been to this uh, in Strasbourg, and uh, extraordinary to see this Tower of Babel type uh, image with a statue outside of a woman riding the beast. I mean, how blatant is that? And we've got the posters, and you've probably even seen the posters, where they've got the, the posters put out by the European Union, Europe, many tongues, one voice. <laughs> In other words, they're going to reverse Babel, with the image behind it of the Tower of Babel being built. Uh, but now it's been slightly modified, but you can see it, it's, it looks like the European Union Parliament, and it looks like the Tower of Babel, and even right down to people in the foreground, the kings of the earth conspiring together to to build this in rebellion to God. And while God judged Babel with confusion with the many tongues, hence we often speak about you know babbling and Babel uh, in the concept of many languages and confusion. And so the motto put over the poster of the European Union uh, enterprise is. Europe, many tongues, one voice. So it's this whole concept of reversing Babel. And they've got two monuments, including in in Brussels, in Belgium, of a woman riding a beast. Again, a very biblical image from the book of Revelation of the woman, which actually is meant to symbolize um, the Jewish religious leaders riding a beast. And the beast is meant to symbolize the, the Roman Empire. So the woman riding a beast is the Jewish religious apostate authorities from the high priest down, the same high priest who conspired to have Christ killed, uh, riding on this imperial empire. So the woman riding the beast image. So this is not a conspiracy. Uh, you know, it, it's not like Alec Jones went and built this uh, outside Brussels or Strasbourg. This is something the EU authorities have done for themselves. They've done the woman riding the beast and they've put out their own posters. And this should make us think uh, because in Revelation 13, what do we read? We read about a conspiracy. So the Bible warns us about a conspiracy which will be satanic, where all who dwell on the earth will worship Satan, and all those whose names have not been written in the book of the life, the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the beast will kill and capture the people of God. They will also cause another beast, a religious beast, who will have worldwide authority, who will cause the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. This false prophet, the second beast, will deceive those who dwell on the earth. 
It's all in Revelation 13. So the scripture makes clear that this devilish power will work to bring about a one-world government, a one-world religion, interfaith religion, and a one-world economic system. And everyone will be required to get some kind of mark, without which they will not be allowed to buy or sell. So Revelation 13 warns us that those who refuse to follow this one-world religion, this new world order, will be persecuted and killed. Revelation 13, verse 16 says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free or slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him his understanding calculate the number of the beast. What's the number of a man? And there's number 666. Now, we know that uh, even the computer of the EU in Brussels is called the Beast of Brussels. Uh, we know that many of these actual uh, barcodes uh, have 666 written into the code um, as part of the barcode. And so there's a whole lot of ideas through the years. There's been many interpretations, speculations, applications of these verses. But the important thing is to see the big picture. The big picture is the word of God is warning us in Psalm 2, Revelation 13, of a devilish system that will seek to impose a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economic system. And it will be further identified by its blasphemies and hostility towards God and his name, as well as by hostility towards believers of the past, those who dwell in heaven now. So we can certainly see that the world is dominated today by many forces working towards a one-world government, a one-world interfaith religious system, and a unified economic system. We've never seen these forces working more aggressively than the last two years. And we can certainly see uh, that uh, Hollywood is spewing out a vast amount of blasphemies, and a great variety of films are filled with blasphemy against God and against those who dwell in heaven, now, now the believers of the past, uh, believers of, of uh, history. And we can also see a superabundance of films which seek to rearrange reality and rewrite history by slandering great Christians of the past. You can even see this with Wikipedia. You can see uh, it might interest some people to know that uh, when the Encyclopedia Britannica began, the purpose of the Encyclopedia was to create a non-Christian, anti-Christian worldview. Because at the time that the Encyclopedia began, the world was dominated by Christian schools, Christian universities, Christian governments. And so the secular authorities, those who were inspired by the Illuminati, started in 1776, uh, the uh, Sabbatans who were seeking an anti-Christian revolution, they recognized how do you break the hold of the church on knowledge, education, information? Well, uh, the encyclopedia was designed to be that, well-funded by the bankers. The encyclopedia put in... Uh, and, of course, they had to be fairly objective at first, but they slid in wherever they could an anti-Christian perspective or left out key information or put a slant that would, you just need to check in the Encyclopedia Britannica what it would say about, for example, Jesus uh, or about Christianity or about great Christians of the past. You can just mention Martin Luther and you look what the Encyclopedia says about great reformers like John Calvin and so on, and you can immediately see there's an anti-Christian bias, there's a hostility there. And so the encyclopedias of the past were designed to secularize and in many ways make non-Christian and perhaps even 
anti-Christian, the population of the world, which seems to have been somewhat successful. But then there, there were other conspiracies that followed. And we know that the Comintern, the Communist International, already in the 1920s, had the goal to be able to infiltrate Hollywood to affect the films. In fact, Joseph Stalin said, we want to turn the cinemas of the West into new temples of learning, which will be alternatives and later replacements for the church. And I think Hollywood has, in many places, succeeded in the goals of Joseph Stalin there. And for many years, uh, the Communist Party was the only party in town, talking about Hollywood. And literally, they were the only party in town because they, had a, they were the first political entity to have a conspiracy to infiltrate the movie industry, the entertainment industry in Hollywood, and to hijack it, which they certainly did. One can just look at the uh, Harvey Weinstein's uh, as an example of um, how pedophile, anti-Christians, Sabbatan, pagans, and uh, perverts and sexual predators have dominated Hollywood to a large extent. So we can see the synagogue of Satan certainly got their claws on Hollywood very early on. Well, they had the banks in the beginning. And of course, the encyclopedias have been now replaced by Wikipedia, which is even more blatantly anti-Christian and uh, Sabbatan in trying to undermine everything uh, that was of a Christian worldview and present a secular, humanist, and perhaps even an occultic view on some things. Now, the United Nations is the most visible attempt to create a new world government, a one world government. And behind it, you can discern even more clearly these days the manipulations of the Council on Foreign Relations. There's very few American presidents in the last 80 years who have not been members of the Council on Foreign Relations. I think that uh, Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump might be the only two presidents that America had since Herbert Hoover who were not members of the Council on Foreign Relations. And the Freemasons, tremendously dominant on the governments of the West, and then the Bilderbergers. Now, for decades, the Bilderbergers have been treated like, oh, that's a conspiracy theory, it doesn't happen. But because of alternative media and independent journalists, we now have no doubt whatsoever the Bilderbergers exist, the Bilderbergers happen. These are top key leaders, including um, uh, heads of state and uh, bankers and heads of media, very, very influential world changes. You're talking about something like only 700 people who are, and the media is calling them the 1%. Well, it would be more accurate to call them the 0.0001% because you know, 1% would be, what, 70 million people? Uh, we're talking about 700 people here. So this isn't the 1%. The Bilderbergers literally discuss how to shape the world, including the wars to plan, the recessions to plan, the inflation to plan, all of that, which will increase their wealth and power and influence and decrease freedom in the world. Uh, the Rothschilds, well, that's been well documented from the beginnings of the Illuminati, uh, the Rothschilds were part of the founders of the uh, Illuminati. And uh, we have looked at this in great detail about how uh, Jacob Frank um, entered into alliance with Mayor Amschel Rothschild, the immensely wealthy banker, and uh, with Adam Weishaupt, who is the son of a Jewish Kabbalist rabbi in Bavaria. And they launched the Illuminati on the 1st of May, 1776 timed very carefully. And what was the goal of the Illuminati? And there's no question about the existence of the Illuminati and of their conspiracy. 
their conspiracy is now pretty well documented. Their goals already planned from the 1st of May, 1776 at Frankfurt was number one, the abolition of all monarchies and all governments. Number two, abolition of all private property and inheritance. Number three, abolition of nationalism. Number four, abolition of the family and of the institution of marriage. Number five, abolition of all religion. Number six, establishment of compulsory communal education for all children. Now, that is, that is a conspiracy and it is no theory. And those revolutionary goals are mirrored in the communist agenda, the communist manifesto of 1848. And again, you cannot say, just like you can't say Psalm 2 is a theory, you can't say Revelation 13 is a theory, you cannot say Babel is a theory, you cannot say the European Union is a theory, they're conspiracies, yes, but they're certainly not theories. Well, the goal of the Illuminati, as I've just read out there, is mirrored in the communist manifesto of Karl Marx and Frederick Engels of 1848. Now, just consider how many of these goals have they made advances on? Here's the goals in um, Communist Manifesto 1848. And Karl Marx says the first goal is the abolition of property rights. And he was clear as to how they plan to abolish property rights. Because some people say, well, I own my property. Well, try not paying rates and taxes and see how long it remains your property. Uh, his goal was to abolish private property by applying rents and rates to the state so that people who own property will have to pay rents or rates to the state. Now, people who've watched Downton Abbey may wonder how was it that all these great houses that had dominated England for centuries all came to an end shortly after the First World War? Well, because the Labour Party of, of Britain under Lloyd George had the goal of starting to tax the properties to the extent that many of these properties had to sell off portions until it became uneconomical, and then the houses had to close because they could no longer afford to pay the taxes. You would have thought that, uh, I might say that the Bible forbids governments taxing property. Uh, taxation of, of land and property is not legal, it's not biblical, because the government doesn't own the land. And uh, uh, taxing property is a way of abolishing property rights, because if you can't afford to continue to pay the property rights, you lose the land. And that has happened to many people that I know in South Africa, old people who worked all their lives, paid taxes, paid into their pension plans, who've had to sell the, the land that they own, whether we're talking about their farm or their home and house, and they now live hand to mouth um, on miserable pension because of inflation, which has destroyed the pensions that they saved up. I mean, bear in mind that the South African rand is now uh, not even 1% of what it was when Mandela took over, we used to be able to uh, buy a postage stamp with four cents. Uh, that would be uh, for, for uh, a postage stamp. Now we are doing more like five rand for a postage stamp. So we've gone from four cents to five rand. So basically, you can see uh, one cent in 1980s could buy more than one rand can now. And so uh, literally we've got from uh, where our money has been debased to a point of it's not even 1% of what it used to be worth. So application of rents and rates to the state is the first step towards abolishing property rights. Number two, heavy progressive graduated income tax to confiscate earnings. And the more productive people are, the more of their uh, earnings gets confiscated. Number three, abolition of the right of inheritance by taxing inheritance. And of course, the Bible says that a good man lays up an inheritance for his children as children's children. 
But Colmott and the Sabbateans want to abolish your right to give an inheritance to your children by having the government steal it from you. Number four, confiscation of the property of immigrants and all rebels to the state. And have we seen the government ever confiscating anyone's property? Number five, centralization of credit in a national bank with an exclusive monopoly on money supply. Now, you would have thought the communists are against all this capitalist stuff, but you can see they want to work through a bank. And so you discern the hand of the banksters, the Bilderbergers, behind uh, the Sabbatean movement and the Marxist revolutionary goals, when you see how it's in the Marxist manifesto to centralize all credit in a national bank with an exclusive monopoly on the money supply. That is awfully capitalist terminology, but communists use capitalism to destroy free enterprise. Number six, centralization of the means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. Why do we even need a ministry of communications? Why do we need a ministry of transport in the government? Biblically, the only government positions you need is a minister of justice, a minister of defense, a minister of law and order. I mean, what else do you need? Uh, that's the biblical duty of government, defense, law and order, and justice. Uh, but no, they wanted to have the government to control communication, think censorship, and transport, think um, <laughs> your dependence on the state for everything. Number seven, I'm still reading from the Marxist Manifesto of 1848. Factories and instruments of production are to be owned by the state, and wilderness areas are to be nationalized. Number eight, all are to be put to work by the state. The state determines who can work, where they can work, when they can work, how they can work, and what they've got to wear, and show me your papers when you travel. And number nine, establishment of industrial armies for agriculture to abolish the private family farm and to have farmers now having to work like slaves for a state enterprise. Number 10, combination of agriculture with manufacturing industry, gradual abolition of all distinctions between town and country, and free compulsory education for all children in state schools, state registering of teachers, state training of teachers, and state production of textbooks. Well, need I go any further to show that <laughs> this is not a theory. This is a conspiracy, but it's certainly not a theory. This is the published, uh, unequivocal, uh, nobody's questioning, this is what the Marxists stand for. And the Marxists will admit, yes, that's what we stand for, and that's what the Marxist manifesto holds to. This is not secret. This is not a secret document. This is published. And in fact, Karl Marx said, the theory of communism may be summed up in a single sentence, abolition of private property. You reproach us with intending to do away with your property? Precisely so. That is exactly what we intend. And we disdain to conceal our goals. So for people to say when we speak about this that we are producing a conspiracy theory is false. Conspiracy, yes, but theory, no. This is a real conspiracy, but it's no theory at all. And so uh, what we are seeing is without a doubt what Psalm 2 warns us about, what Revelation 13 warns us about. We are seeing a clear attempt of sinister forces to move towards a one world government, a one world religion, and a one world economic system. And this is being aggressively promoted by non-governmental organizations and charity foundations, prominent politicians worldwide, and by the World Council of Churches, the World Health Organization, should we call them the Wuhan Health Organization? And so the Bible makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 
15 verse 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good character. And so without a doubt, we are facing conspiracies. They are not theories. The globalists have used wars and economic depressions and recessions and population control to undermine Western civilization to bring about their new world order. And again, this isn't a theory. They've had the goal to stimulate the Islamic invasion, Trojan horse, mass migration to Europe, to escalate rights and terrorism. All of this represents an advanced stage in anti-Christian agenda. And through aggressive population control tactics, controlling um, both promoting birth control to control populations, to promote abortions and sterilizations, and with massive propaganda of overpopulation, the globalists have dramatically brought down the population of Europeans and Americans. Think in 1910, Europeans made up 32% of the world's population. Today, Europeans, the white people, whether, whether they're living in Canada, Australia, South Africa, or United States or Europe, make up less than 9%, closer to 8% of the world's population. And so they've managed to successfully bring down the population of Europeans, which was a goal. It was, it was a conspiracy, but not a theory. It's been a goal. And lately, they're even speaking openly about it. I mean, the people like Bill Gates and uh, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, they're speaking openly about the need to bring the world's population down. Uh, some will say to 500 million, others will say to 100 million. Uh, but the fact is, we've got something like 8 billion people on the planet. So what's going to happen to the rest? Well, um, obviously wars help, um, viruses help, vaccines really can help in bringing world's population down. Uh, but uh, obviously things like sterilization and abortions uh, are key. We've had it proven that many of the Bill Gates vaccines that have been used in Africa have, uh, that are meant to be vaccinating against polio and so on, have actually been sterilizing the population. And this this is proven, for example, in Kenya and uh, in India, there have been cases proven that where vaccines were promoted for dealing with a certain disease, when they were tested, they found actually they were sterilizing agents. And so one wonders how many of the people who've taken the vaccinations now have been sterilized. Uh, this is another way of bringing the world's population down. And so by betraying stable governments in Africa, Asia, South America, bring about economic collapse, a vast movement of refugee populations has been stimulated to Europe, North America, South Africa, Australia. By dramatically decreasing population of those countries traditionally Christian and exploding the population of those who are pagan and anti-Christian, the goal is a dramatic change in demographics and the death of Christian civilization. This is not a theory. This is a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy of the Sabbateans. It's a conspiracy of the Illuminati. It's a conspiracy that's been proven uh, not only uh, in the West, but throughout the world, we can see a sharp decline of the birth rate of Europeans and a massive influx of third world, especially Muslim immigrants, into Europe and North America. This is hoped to bring about a transformation of Europe into Eurabia and maybe America into Ameristan. But the goal in all of this is a world population more amenable to manipulation and control by globalists. And as Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum has been happy to tell us, in the future, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Shades of Orwell's 1984 and shades also of Huxley's Brave New World, where you've got a world population that is subdued by uh, drugs and stimulated by endless um, entertainment being 
bombarded and broadcast them by ubiquitous media. And so from America, for example, being a mostly Protestant Christian nation of people from a European background, the promotion of population control methods to suppress the growth of Protestant Americans and to stimulate a huge influx of immigrants from third world nations have brought America to a position where the demographics have been radically altered. And then to distract and neutralize the Christian church, false doctrines and heresies have been vigorously promoted. This is not a theory. This is a conspiracy. Communists had the goal already in the common term, the communist nationalists documented, to infiltrate churches. And they managed to infiltrate many churches. The Methodists were the first to be fully infiltrated. The World Council Churches was hijacked from the very beginning by Marxist ends. And the Catholic Church, they started to infiltrate already in the 20s and 30s by mobilizing lots of homosexual communists into the Catholic Church, because this is the point. How could they get people willing to enter the priesthood if they're not allowed to get married? Well, the simple solution was get the the homosexual communists to do it. And this way, they were able to hijack a lot of the Catholic Church, which is in many ways, uh, many places run by Catholic mafia. And there have been good Roman Catholic priests who've, who've documented how there is a reign of terror in the Vatican against uh, those who are not LGBTQ and uh, the gay mafia because uh, they control the seminaries and they control uh, the, the church. So when people think there is a church scandal, in many cases it's a homosexual scandal, and in fact it's a result of a communist infiltration strategy. But you've seen also specific goals of the communists to promote pacifism in the church and a rapture fever obsession with end times prophecies to distract Christians from trying to resist the communist agenda here on earth. Antinomianism has gutted the church of the law of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, which converts the soul. But there is this hostility to God's law that we mustn't have God's law. The same people who think you've got to obey the state on things like mask mandates and and vaccinations are saying you mustn't obey God's law. God's law doesn't apply anymore, but man's law really does. This is not just stupidity. This is a policy. It's a strategy of outside ends. Sabbatans and communists have been infiltrating the church and introducing these doctrines to deliberately undermine the church. Defeatism, escapism has neutralized many churches. Worldly music, age-segregated services, youth groups which entertain rather than educate, these have undermined the Christian resistance to the New World Order, and not just accidentally either, many times deliberately. Discernment is at a low ebb in the average Western church as a result, because not much Bible teaching, not much understanding of times, no, a lot of sensationalism, materialism, idolatrous elevating of high-profile televangelists and faith healers who have sidetracked many believers from filling the Great Commission. And then they've also got their swallows, their uh, chaps who uh, who specifically infiltrate in order to, to seduce and bring down many of these idols that they've lifted up to further shatter people's belief and trust in church leaders. And most Christians have barely noticed that secular humanists have hijacked the schools. They've continued to send their children to what are effectively now anti-Christian brainwashing gulags. And theological seminaries have been infiltrated from the 1920s already by liberal theologians and those who hold to what they call theistic evolution. Many of them are straight communists and atheists. And the resulting undermining of biblical Christianity through many denominations, it's like a cancer working through what used to be a healthy body. But it's not a theory. You can now see the results. It's a conspiracy, yes, but it's not a theory. And history testifies how God has blessed and used Christian nations 
to bless all the families and nations of the earth. And the Protestant nations of Western Europe have been a great uh, force for good. And despite violent opposition, uh, Christians have emerged from the fires of persecution to change lives, to make history, transform nations, end slavery, end cannibalism, end so many bad things. Faithful believers contended for the faith and preserved and translated God's word, reformed the church, vigorously proclaimed God's word to nations, and Christian civilization, especially sent out from Europe, achieved the highest levels of productivity, innovation, scientific discoveries, medical advances, missionary outreaches, works of mercy, charities, successfully campaigning to end the slave trade, setting captives free, laying foundations for justice through the rule of law. The legacy of faith and freedom through Christian Europe worldwide is unparalleled in the history of the world. But now what we can see is a plain attempt to destroy Christianity in its heartland. And Christianity came to the beginning of the 20th century, on a rising, apparently unstoppable tide. Christianity was gaining spectacular momentum as missionaries from Europe were evangelizing and discipling virtually every nation and tribe on the earth. And the missionary initiative and activity and vitality was huge. And at the world's first missions conference in 1910, delegates were anticipating the completion of the Great Commission within their generation no one in 1910 could have anticipated the wholesale abandonment of entire nations to communism, false religions, and hedonism. Nobody could have predicted that the church would retreat from victory to such an extent that churches would be questioning the existence of the devil or hell or redefining marriage to include what the Bible calls an abomination or being confused about how many genders there are and things like that. But what changed this? What derailed it? The conspiracy that brought about the First World War, and we know the sinister banksters who pulled the strings behind the scenes and engineered the genocide of Europe, the same ones who owned the companies that made the machine guns, the bullets, the bombs, the shells, artillery, like the Rothschilds. So you have, for example, in Britain, Lord Nathan Rothschild, who was on the war cabinet who declared war, and who ran the Bank of England, from whom the government borrowed the money and who paid the money to his companies, such as in Coventry, that were producing the guns and bombs and bullets that killed millions of Christians in Europe. And of course, his sons uh, and cousins were running other Rothschild banks in France and Germany and Italy and Austria and America. And so you had this obvious conflict of interest. We've got the same banksters in governments running uh, the war industry uh, munitions plants, the military industrial complex, so-called, and making the manipulations in politics and buying the politicians to persuade Christians to so enthusiastically and efficiently kill one another. And of course, what was even more devastating than the millions of Christians killed and crippled and severely injured in the First World War was the damage to the spiritual life and the secularization of Europe and the breakdown of moral standards all coincided with the resurgence of revolutionary fervor Marxist communism, which filled the vacuum left by the collapse of the Russian Empire and the German Empire and the Austrian Empire. And as we know, well documented by Professor Sutton, uh, the Wall Street and the bankrolling of the Bolshevik Revolution, the best enemy money can buy, and how uh, Trotsky left the Bronx in New York and went with millions of dollars in gold uh, through Canada, through to Russia to, to get launched the Red Army. And that's why the Red Army had the best of everything, leather coats, the best boots, the best Rolls Royces, uh, the best armored trains, best machine guns, weaponry, because they had the money 
and they were able to hijack the country with a minuscule amount of communists because of the huge bankrolling from the Bolsh- of the Bolshevik revolution by the Wall Street bankers. And so we can see, and we keep going through the Second World War, the United Nations, what is going on right now around us is the derailing of Christian civilization over the last century. It's not been a theory, it's fact, but it was the result of conspiracies. You can trace it back to Psalm 2, you can trace back to Revelation 13, you can trace it back to the Tower of Babel, as the European Union so ostentatiously says, but there's no doubt that the revolutionary goals put forward by Adam Weishaupt, Meyer Rothschild, and Jacob Frank on the 1st of May, 1776 in Frankfurt, that their long-term goals are being fulfilled to this day, and we can see it. The overthrow of governments, the abolition of private property and inheritances, the abolition of nationalism, the abolition of the family and the institution of marriage, the abolition of religion, establishment of compulsory communal education for all children. The communist manifestos advancing the Sabbatean agenda is the communist agenda. You can see Sabbateanism is behind communism, even if the average communist ground doesn't understand the occultic Illuminati links of all these things. And so, yes, when people are saying to us that's a conspiracy theory, we can point to them these days that, well, there are conspiracies, but it's definitely no theory. Maybe we could start them off with Psalm 2 and Revelation 13, take them through a bit of history. But I think that we should be able to wake people up to the fact that civilization is being hijacked. And it is so comprehensive. You can't deny it anymore. And it's no longer just some people who love freedom warning you. It's something that you can hear out of the horse's mouth straight from the Bilderbergers, the Illuminati, the Council on Foreign Relations, the United Nations, the World Economic Forum. If you doubt it, just check out Klaus Schwab's book, COVID-19 and the Great Reset, and then the Fourth Industrial Revolution, transhumanism, all the rest of it. These things are now open. They are openly waging war, not only against God and against the family and against the institution of marriage itself, which is the very foundation, the building block of society, but there is a war against Christ, there's a battle for the mind, there's a battle for the heart, there's a battle for the children, there's a battle for our faith and for our future. We all need to recognise this and we need to get involved in the fight. Thank you, Andrew. Back to you. Thank you, Peter. Fantastic presentation. I really went to so many different areas to prove the existence of conspiracies historically. So um, just a quick question. What would you recommend? I mean, you talked about people looking at these various um, verses from the Bible and chapters like Revelation 13, you mentioned, but it is a very difficult time for a lot of the audience listening. They see all these things going on. They feel powerless. In many cases, they can't speak about them because they could be prosecuted in their country because the control is so great. So what would be your message to people as to how they can you know, get through this difficult time that has been uh, predicted in the Bible? Back to you, Peter. Well, there's no doubt that we've got to resist. And so the best ways to resist Babylon and the beast is uh, we've got a resist indoctrination. We obviously we mustn't get their mark, we mustn't get their vaccination, we mustn't trust them. But it's so important that we refuse to conform to the world, that we must have our minds renewed by the word of God. And we need to devote our lives to obeying the cultural mandate and the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. We must obey God rather than man. The fear of the Lord is a beginning of wisdom. Now, Daniel had a vision of all the kingdoms of the world 
the head of gold, the chest of silver, the stomach of bronze, the legs of iron, the feet of iron clay. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to another people. It shall break in pieces and consume all those kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And Daniel describes a stone that smashed into pieces the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold, which represented the kingdoms of this world. And that stone grew to be a mountain that filled the whole earth. So the kingdom of God will destroy and replace all the human attempts to create a new world order. And those who promote a one world religion and a one world government are doomed to defeat and disgrace. And those who faithfully serve our King of Kings and Lord of Lords will be vindicated. So it's so important that we do not allow ourselves to be brainwashed by the world. That means if you think of the five culture carrying institutions of society, education, entertainment, news media, religious institutions, political institutions, these are the areas the communists have targeted for infiltration. It's vital that we do not depend on the government indoctrination gulags for our education or that of our children or grandchildren. So independent, um, faith-based, home education, independent Christian schools, uh, these are, are vital. Um, news media, we shouldn't be trusting the disinformation uh, networks, which are basically deception operations, propaganda operations. We've got to support trustworthy, reliable alternative news media and get on a mailing list of reliable groups um, and stop watching and listening to the Communist News Network and the Bolshevik Broadcast Corporations on. And uh, entertainment, let's stop supporting the blasphemy industry of Hollywood and support uh, those who are God-honoring Christian uh, freedom and faith-based groups. And, uh, of course, religious institutions, if our churches are part of the World Council of Churches or they're part of the this interfaith, you know, no, let's go to Bible-based, Christ-centered, independent, God-honoring groups that resist the new world order. And the same with politics. Let's support those who are not part of the globalist goals, who are advocating next wars and so on. So I think those five culture-carrying areas are so important. Evaluate ourselves on how can we resist in education, entertainment, news media, religious institutions, and political institutions. So boycott the bad, support the good. Uh, these these are, are key. But just a great word of encouragement that um, in Moscow, just 900 uh, meters away from Red Square, is uh, the Lubyanka Square. And Lubyanka Square, the word Lubyanka strikes terror in the hearts of anyone who lived in the Soviet Union, because it was the KGB HQ, the headquarters for the secret police. And outside the uh, Lubyanka uh, in the square, there's a big circle with um, a statue, or there was a big statue of Dzensky, Felix Dzensky, the synagogue of Satan, founder of the Cheka, which became the NKVD, which became the KGB, the head of the secret police, founder of the secret police. Well, Dzensky's monument, his big statue, was toppled in 1991 with the fall of the Soviet Union, and uh, his uh, monument was basically broken up and sent to the um, uh, junkie. And uh, interestingly enough, in the square now, somebody has brought a big stone, a stone that came from Solovetsky Island. Now, Solovetsky Island's up in the Arctic Circle. It was uh, an old monastery which the communists turned into the prototype communist concentration camp. At Solovetsky Island, which is up in the Arctic, uh, in the White Sea, it's an island in the White Sea, uh, you couldn't imagine a more remote place on earth. And the communists took and executed 95,000 ministers of the gospel just in the early uh, uh, 1920s, was done under Lenin, murdered 95,000 ministers of the gospel, including the patriarch and church of, the, of all 
Orthodox churches in, in Russia. And uh, so a stone from Solovetsky Island, a prototype communist concentration camp, was brought all the way to Lubyanka Square and is placed there, reminding us of this prophecy from Daniel 2, that the God of heaven will set up a statue that will never be destroyed a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And so the stone that the builders reject as worthless, Jesus, struck the statue representing all the empires of the world, and they crumbled to dust, and the wind blew and the dust was scattered. But the stone grew to be a mountain that filled the whole earth. So the imagery of the victory of Christ over the um, the kingdoms of this world is striking in Daniel 2. And in uh, Moscow, there you've got the symbolism. The statue representing communist tyranny is gone. The defeat of communism is symbolized by this very symbolic stone from the old monastery, which was turned to concentration camp, coming into that very square where the uh, Lubyanka is. Uh, I think this, this should just remind us that just as the gospel has triumphed of atheism and communism in Eastern Europe, so it will triumph over the whole world. And we are not afraid of the result. We know that our God is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's a conqueror. We must be on the winning side. We must never bow to the idols of this world. We must be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Our God, we serve, is able to save us, and he will. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow before your idols, nor will we serve your gods. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And before we go, can you please let the audience know where they can find your work and how they can contact you? Yes, my personal email is peter at frontline.org.za, peter at frontline.org.za, and our website is www.frontlinemissionsa.org, frontlinemissionsa.org. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. I believe you're on Facebook as well, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. You can find both me, Peter Hammond, or Frontline Fellowship on Facebook, and we're tackling a lot of uh, these issues uh, very uh, active on social media. Thank you, Peter. Fantastic show as always, folks. You have been listening to a show entitled The Real Conspiracy That Is Not A Theory. I want to thank Peter again so much for joining us today. I want to thank all of you for listening. Have a wonderful day. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. And until then, folks, bye for now.